Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I am your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we will meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and even heal under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who in this time of crisis are offering their hearts and talents to us all. And I'm very happy today to have as our guest, Jessica Snow, who is a meditative storyteller. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. As you were doing that intro, it reminded me of the uh, Mr. Rogers quote to look, his mother told him to look for the helpers. Absolutely. Then, yeah. Well, I, you've hit it right on the nose. This is about what, what, what I'm doing now in these times when all you hear about is the negative news and how bad everything is. I'm like to talk to people like yourself who are the helpers and who are doing, who have positive things in various fields to offer. So I'm really glad to have you here and to ask you as the beginning to tell us, if you will, what a meditative storyteller is and what you do. So what I do, my specialty is guided meditation. That's the main um, thing I do, but I also teach other contemplative practices like soul collage and some other things like that. But the reason I call myself a meditative storyteller is to let people know that this is a little bit different than say a traditional mindfulness meditation practice. And because um, I put the meditator at the center of kind of a story, each meditation is, is a little journey or a little story. And um, I position the listener kind of as the hero or heroine of that story because yes, we wanna get into that Zen calm state right, which we always start off the meditations by doing. But in my style of meditation, there's something alchemical that happens in each meditation, meaning that we do in the meditation change the state um, of ourselves or, or, or our way of thinking or our way of feeling. A lot of times we're letting things go in the meditation very actively. Um, so I put the word storyteller in there also because I write all of my meditations and my process for writing them. So I'm not repeating other uh, traditions meditations. I meditate and then I kind of have my little inner counsel who helps me understand what the meditation that I'm writing should be about. And then I come out of meditation and I write it and then I deliver it either live in person um, or increasingly over the last year over the internet. Um, and also I have lots of recordings and videos of different meditations. Well, that's wonderful. One question occurs to me is for each person, do you have this a different story that you have meditated on this story before or is this, how does that work? So it's so interesting because, you know, um, before COVID times, we'd often be meditating in a room with like 40 or 50 people. And I'm always fascinated because I'll say the same set of words over the course of an hour to a group of people, no two people have the same experience. You don't have the same experience as a person next to you because you have your own set of uh, life experiences and inner energetic states and emotions and thoughts. And that's what's so fascinating to me about people is that I say the same set of words and all 50 of the people in the room have their own experiences. For right. instance, if I say that you're meeting an animal 
in the meditation, right? It's very rare that two people have the same animal show up for them. And then even if they have the same animal show up, they do different things while they're meditating with that animal. Right, right, right. Well, when, when you do your meditation beforehand and are asking for your counsel, as you say, you come to you, do you have animals coming in that council? Absolutely. So, you know, um, you may have heard of Napoleon Hill's um, cabinet of invisible counselors and Napoleon yes. Hill was a, a very forward thinking guy. And he, before he would go to bed at night, he would call together great men from history and they formed like Abraham Lincoln, you know, to, they formed his invisible council. And he went to them um, in his imagination for help and information and solutions. And um, my counsel <laughs> is much more diverse. Yes, some people, yes, some archetypal characters, yes, some animals, yes, some plants, <laughs> yes, the planet that we live on, yes, the moon. So I have, you know, both people, natural things, and even supernatural um, participants in my council. <laughs> do you, when, you, when your council meets, do you have a, do they have agreement or are you, or are you having to monitor them? <laughs> well, it's not everybody all at once, right? And, and this is something that I tell people that they can create in their meditation, in their inner worlds as well. Um, not only do I have a council, but I also have places that I have developed a resonance with that I can go to in meditation. And for example, if I'm feeling down, I take myself in my mind to, a, it's kind of like a, a field of lavender and there's cliffs and then there's the ocean. And because I've gone back to that same place, I find it very easy to experience and then release and feel those more difficult emotions dissipate in my inner world in that lavender field. Does that make sense? Totally. And by the same token, depending on what I am working on, um, I have some beings in my inner council, you know, that are all about, um, for instance, like love and family, and then other ones that are much more concerned with other things. So I, I both pick these inner locations and these inner guides um, based on what the needs are. And then, of course, you know, there's always, you know, a surprise in there also. <laughs> right, the surprise. Well, talk Someone about shows up who you didn't think. Yeah, talking about surprises. This podcast is a result of one of those inner animals speaking. Uh, I did a lot of shamanistic work prior to a long time ago. And when I came to making some choices about what I'm going to do in my retirement, which is where I am right now, um, I went back and, and, and called on my animal, which is a bear. And I've had bear as my animal for you know, for maybe 25 years. And, um, and I said, yeah, basically, so what am I supposed to do? And usually that situation would bring up a whole kind of discussion or a kind of images and so forth. What this came out was one word, radio. And I said, uh, excuse me, can you tell me more? <laughs> because first of all, radio, I, I had done radio in my 20s. And I said, you know, that was like 50 years ago, folks. Nobody's going to hire somebody to do radio who is, you know, hasn't done it for 50 years and the last time was in college. Anyway, I then went to my other source, my other great source, which is my now 23-year-old, but she was then 
about 17 years old and said, what in the world is that? And she said, dad, you don't understand. You don't have to get a radio station today. There's things called podcasts. And she introduced me to podcasting so, <laughs> and her technical skills. Yeah, and you know that's such it, it, that what you just said illustrates such an important point that I think is is super important in this time period that we're in is that when we settle down and turn inward, bear, you know whatever our inner beings never lets us down. They always come through with radio. Here's your answer. You know, you ask a simple question. Here's the answer. <laughs> you know, and then it's up to us to take kind of take the baton from there. And, you know, talk to people about it and like, well, what is radio and, you know, in this time? And it's like, oh, it's podcasting. And here you are. I mean, it's beautiful. It was wonderful. And okay, so let's go back to you. I mean, this is about you, actually. Um, in how did you start? I guess that's like, that's where I'm going with this. How did so you begin? I started meditating in 2002 with our common teacher, Roger Nolan, who I know has been on the podcast as well. Right. And um, then in, and I was pretty strict Vipassana insight, mindfulness meditation. I really stuck to the, the rules. And then in 2011, I too, I went um, and had some shamanic training. And in one of the trainings, we meditated for another person, which I'd never experienced before. And when we came out of that meditation, you know, with essentially a stranger, we, I said, oh, this doesn't make any sense. And this doesn't make any sense, but this is what I saw. This is what I felt. And she was just like, you know, it makes perfect sense. And that's so helpful. And I realized, oh, I've been meditating in this little bubble. And maybe there are ways where I can meditate in a more connective way. So I started to write my own meditations and I started to deliver them in my backyard to my friends. And then my friends started to bring their friends and then their friends started to bring their friends. And then it was like weird that we're doing it at my house, right? Like it crossed right. the line. And so then I started um, at different places teaching and then I, you know, wrote some books and built out, you know, um, I have a website where you can listen to over a hundred meditations. So I just started building this library um, and so all these things that I do, I do a lot of disparate things, um, but always my purpose, my mission is to reconnect anyone with their own magic, with their own empowerment, with their own ability to look on the inner to get that, that radio message, right? Like right. That's, that's what it's all about. And um, so, yeah, so it happened super organically. Um, the growth of my um, work is really word of mouth primarily. Like I am old fashioned. I don't really like feel like being, you know, overly evangelical or advertising or pressing people to um, do this work because I feel like that's not really I don't want meditation to be like a should thing where it's like, I sh it's dry chore that I have to, it's on my list with all my other things. Right. I really want people to experience it as like this pleasurable art that just brings, you know, the more you do it, the better the rewards are. So that's kind of um, my approach. Well, it sounds very much like what you want to do is help people. Yes, and but I want, what I really want is to, I think of myself as like a door unlocker, 
but okay. the person themselves has to walk through the door. Right. Well, they sense? may help them to walk through the door or as yeah. you said, unlock the door. Yeah. I mean, none of us, whoever, whatever, even doctors, I mean, MDs are not anything but guides. They may yeah. not always remember that. I mean, there, there's that problem <laughs> sometimes with, with some MDs, and I won't say all, but uh, some. But it's important to remember that we are guides and we can suggest then the person has to walk through the door themselves. Yeah, another good metaphor is like, um, I'll drive the bus for you, you know, in your meditation, meaning that I've been to this location before, right. so I know the way, so I can get you there, but then it's going to be your own experience of, you know, stepping off the bus into whatever realm we've now arrived into. And, and that links right back to how I say the same set of words, but everybody experiences them differently. And that just shows this, how beautiful and fascinating and layered and complex and nuanced each of us are. Like it's, it's, it's extraordinary to have gotten in my work to have, get to see that aspect of humanity. It's very beautiful. Yes, it is. Now, when you're doing this, you've written something and you begin, but do you find yourself sticking to the script or are you sometimes moving off of it? So I have developed over the years. Um, so sometimes something that is in the script, I can feel my throat kind of close a little bit and I know not to say that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes words will pour from my mouth right. that I don't, you know, I mean, they're coming from someone wiser than me. Um, and I'm just the, the vocal cords that they're coming through. Um, the script is there to make sure that we kind of have like a beginning, a middle and an end, but right. you're exactly right. And I always tell people too, that if I, for instance, say like, we're going to a mountain and your inner vision takes you to a beach, you go to the beach that what what is happening for you is trumps whatever is in the script the script is just something to kind of you know get us going exactly. um, but it's not the point yes indeed indeed I, I i was just thinking as you and i talked briefly before that you have a, a young son who's around who's 12 does he ever participate in this has does he know what you're doing and does what does he think as a young person about this so in the same way that i I'm not telling anyone they should meditate. I also don't tell anyone in my household they should meditate. However, um, if something comes up for him, I kind of approach it in the same way, but from the side. For instance, um, a few years ago, he was nervous about the class that he was put in at school because none of his friends were in the class. He wasn't sure that the teacher was going to be this or that. And so we just did like a little drumming. We sat quietly for a very short period of time. And then I let him pick, um, and uh, I had these little figurines, like a little animal figurine and a little stone to help him. And then he carried the stone in his backpack with him. I asked him what he felt that animal and the stone, like how those two things could help him. And they really did help him. And so I'm never like forcing certainly anyone in my family or household to sit down and meditate the way I do. Um, but I'm always offering tools that are in this realm. So it's just kind of like the water that we're in. Um, and I also am very careful 
many times over the years, someone will, a parent will come to me and say, my child needs to meditate or my partner needs to meditate. And I always reframe that, that actually like you just meditate, right? And say, I'm laying down, I'm listening to this. If you wanna lay down with me and listen, you can, or just have it playing as, as they're falling asleep or something like that. Because again, I just really feel like meditation is one of the great gifts that we can cultivate over our lifetime. And I just hate for it to be something that someone is telling someone else that they need to do or they should do, because I think that kills um, a lot of people's practices early on because then it just becomes, you know, we feel as humans that we have so many things that we should do. And I just don't want inner work or meditation to ever be lumped into that pile. Like it's, it's, it's not a should it's for me, I look forward to meditating. And when something hard happens in my life, I turn inward into meditation. And I just, I don't want um, any shoulds to get in the way of that for people, especially kids. Um, right. Well, you're offering a gift is what you're doing and hopefully they'll be able to take it, but we can't yeah. force anybody. Yeah, and also I don't want people to feel like if they don't meditate that they're not worthy or good of the, the beautiful life that's in front of all of us. You know, And for some people really working out hard is their meditation or for other people gardening or cooking or crocheting or making art is their meditation. So it doesn't have to look um, like meditation to other people for you to get into that kind of um, space. Well, that yeah. rhythm that can come from exercise, can come from bicycle, come from swimming, can put our mind into that gentle place where we have ideas and feelings and thoughts that come up. And also just even these moments in the day, right before you fall asleep, right before you wake up, those moments can be tuned into to great effect. Um, if just kind of... Um, teaching yourself to be present in those kind of micro moments while the water is boiling in the tea kettle or those kind of things like you, we can weave it into our whole existence. Exactly. Um, exactly. Well, now one question, because we're, it's amazing where time is zooming by here, but before we get out of time, you, we're living in a very difficult time right now, the pandemic time. How has this affected you? How has it changed things for you and for your clients? Yeah. So for me, I had, I'm a bit of a Luddite at the end of the day. And I had a lot of, I, people have been telling me to teach over the, over Zoom or over the internet for many years and I resisted it. And now of course I do it. And I realized that my previously held prejudice that the magic can't come through technology or screens, like actually it does. Right. I just had to change the structure a little bit. I couldn't recreate the live in-person experience but I could make a new experience that is also magical, especially because I live in Los Angeles. And now many of the people who are attending my online classes live all over the world. So there's something very special as far as Australia, you know, like there's something very special about that next level of connectivity. Um, and I think for myself and, you know, my, my clients, my people is that in my, opinion, 
we are now evolving faster than humans have maybe ever evolved. And I think ultimately, and if you look at the long arc in a very good direction, and it is painful and difficult, and we have to face many things as we evolve this quickly, but I like where we're headed. And I think that the next few years, because of the trauma of the last year, we're going to have, you know, three or four years of like good healing. And I think ultimately that healing time and that focus on that is going to be, um, leave humanity in a better place than we are now and in a shorter, faster period of time. Although it is uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, well, that kind of, that kind of speed that we go, you know, it's like, I remember this, this is a story which is just popped in my mind which I remember when my wife and I were, had our first ch child, our child, and went to a birthing class and someone was saying, well, why does it take so long, you know, to deliver this child? And the, and the woman said, well, you know, you could, have it, you could have it sooner, but think about this. Think about if you're driving, if you're riding a bicycle from Manhattan out to Long Island, do you want to do it in 10 hours or in 20 minutes? You know, what, what, would, what would that be like? <laughs> And I think what you're discussing is the 20 minute version for the world where yes. we're going through and, it, and it's like, whoa, someone slow this car down. Yes. And also, you know, we, um, it's just been so much that's unprecedented, you know? Right. And that adds an element into it too. But I think that that ultimately is changing our values, our belief systems in very, very important ways. And I think that um, we're all a lot clearer on like what make genuinely brings us joy and makes us happy. And maybe separating that out from messages about like, what is success? What is security? What is happiness that we had been fed from, you know, um, advertising and all the messages that we're getting all the time. I think it is um, leading a lot of people to really like wake up. This is your life. It's happening right now. Right. Like, here, what are you going to do? What do you really like? Yeah. yeah. Stop and pay attention to where you are today. Yes. And, and that has never been an easy thing in the society that we lived in. But yeah. in a society that stopped and you have, well, you can meditate, you can read a book, you can look at trees. Maybe you can't go out to touch them, but you can look at. But yes, and the hope, as I hear you, Tony, is that this will bring us to a better understanding of who we are and what we truly believe in. And what we collectively, what, what kind of future do we want to live in? I mean, so many of the messages that I've been getting lately as I do go into meditation is like, turn back towards nature, <laughs> go for a walk, go look at how nature does things come into relationship with nature and I think that that's not just me I think that's a collective um thing that we're all going to be leaning towards um as we go through this kind of healing uh time and that could be very very important when you come to the idea of help healing the planet healing nature 100%. Exactly. And that's, and that's kind of what this is. And, you know, um, I actually think that one thing that the pandemic has showed us is that 
it's not even that we have to actively heal the planet. We just have to stop or reduce the amount we're doing certain things. For instance, I live in Burbank. I live near an airport. When all the flights, right, stopped, the sunsets, the sky, the clarity of the air, it was like instantly better, right? So it's not that we have, it, it might be also just like drawing back, like maybe eating a still eating meat, but a little less meat or just different things like this. We might find a organic, uh, more good feeling kind of casual way to move into relationship, a healthy relationship with the earth. Um, and she may surprise us with her own abilities to regenerate herself. If we just kind of like calm down yes, and well, like- Just stop polluting quite as much as we have, <laughs> even if it's just half as much pollution, yeah. it would be better. Like yeah. the canals in Venice became totally clear yeah. uh, within and a week or two. Wildlife, right? Yes. The wildlife returns. And that's what's so amazing about nature. And we are, I mean, we're human beings, right? We're on a Zoom right now, but we're also mammals. And a mammal is an animal, and an animal is a part of nature. So we, I think, will be progressively reclaiming that birthright in family in relationship with the natural world and with the planet that nourishes and supports, you know, everything uh, that we know. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I mean, the imagery is the planet can we can regenerate. So could we, we've seen how the body can regenerate. It's amazing how the body can, can be helped to heal itself and how the planet can be helped to heal itself. Exactly. We don't just the same way. We don't want to put the pollutions into our body through the food we eat or what we take in but we don't want to put it into the planet either. I think that's yeah, a wonderful- and I, think, and I think that we, um, I think that the young people that I know value nature right. more profoundly than for instance, I did at their age. Yes, well, the young people at their age have much more than, I mean, you, you have a, a son in, the, in what, sixth grade, I think you said? Yes, that's right. Well, I, I remember my daughter, who is now in her mid-20s, when she was in sixth grade, she did a, a her first homework assignment involved doing a, um, a, some, a computer uh, presentation of six slides that she's Googled, a subject she Googled herself. It was well beyond anything I had ever thought of doing in a sixth grade. It was like, what are you doing? So I can't even imagine what sixth graders are doing today. I'll tell you, it's mind boggling. So my son is able to, I could never, I don't know if I could ever do this. He can make a video of himself playing a video game. And it, he's also talking about what he's doing in the video game. And he's in real time editing in sound effects and other things. So it's like, I mean, multitasking, exponentially to my mind but it's 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 a it's a pleasure for him you know they're 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 each generation comes in wired a little differently it will be fascinating to see how that all evolves over time speaking yes. of time however we're out of it so before we end completely if people who have been listening to this conversation which i think has been fascinating and would like to know more about what you do and how you do it how would they best get in touch with you? What would you like them to do? My headquarters is my website and it's youaremagicla.com. I'm going to spell it Y-O-U-M-A-G-I-C. Wait a second. Say that again. You, what happened to R? Oh, Y-O-U, 
A-R-E. Okay. M-A-G-I-C-L-A.com. I'm also Jessica Snow. If you Google me, I'm the first thing. I'm the first Jessica Snow that's going to come up for you. Um, and then in that website is everything. And um, that's my main point of contact. I'm also on Instagram at meditation underscore Jess, but I'm an intermittent uh, social media person because it interferes with my creativity. <laughs> so, right, so just say that website one more time for me. You are magic LA.com. LA.com. Very good. All right. So that will be in this, the, the audio here and also in the written description of it. Well, Jessica, this has been wonderful. I thank you so much for being our guest on this show. Thank you, Tom. This has been a true delight. I, I love talking with you. Well, it's been wonderful. And I thank you to our audience who listens all the time to these shows and it gives us wonderful comments. So be, be, be prepared. I can't wait. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks.